Hi there. Welcome back to the Christian Leader Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Franklin, and this is a show where we help you learn and master the skills you need to grow your leadership effectiveness and enjoyment. And if you don't want to miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and the bell on YouTube or the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get notified as soon as I post a new session. And before we get started, I do want to mention that I have a great product called the Christian Leader Blueprint. It's a solid model for leadership development to help you and your team establish a better rhythm of life, to see yourself more clearly, to leverage your strengths, and to build more productive relationships. And I have that in two formats now. I have a free short guide that I want to give you as my free gift. You can go to ryanfranklin.org and you can download it for free today. And I also have a brand new book, The Christian Leader Blueprint. And you can find that on Amazon or wherever you buy books. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. So don't delay. If you want to maximize your growth and effectiveness as a leader, hit the pause button on this podcast just for a minute. Go to ryanfranklin.org to get the Christian Leader Blueprint short guide for free. And while you're there, you can go ahead and order your book as well. And so without any further delay, let's get to our session. I'm excited today to have on the podcast a friend of mine, Scott Macon. And I want to start by telling you a little bit about Scott. Scott Macon is the founder and president of the Macon Institute for NeuroChange. He's an executive leadership coach, business consultant, and licensed mental health counselor for over 40 years. I think he started when maybe he was about 10 years old. I think so too. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's given hundreds of presentations and led hundreds of small group growth experiences for organizations that are small all the way up to billion dollar companies. He was also the co-founder the co of the Graduate School Townsend Institute at Concordia University, Irvine, with Dr. John Townsend, the New York Times bestselling author of the Boundaries book series. He was executive director from 2014 to 2021, and that's how I met Scott. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a school that I attended, and it literally changed my life. And so, Scott, I just want to say that I'm so honored that you are here with me today and with, with my audience. Welcome to the Christian Leader Made Simple podcast. Well, good. I've been looking forward to this, just to talk about some of the things that we have kicked around, uh, empathy, attuning. Um, and, and I like the idea of uh, leadership made simple. Um, sometimes it just gets way too complicated of all these skills and these steps. And so I, I think that's great. Um, so looking forward to this. Well, thank you, Scott. And, uh, and you are, are, are one to kind of keep it simple as well. And I love that about you, you know, from a personal standpoint, when I, when I think of Scott Macon, what I really think of is empathy and I think of attunement. And I know that you have uh, mastered the art of tuning in to what's going on in an individual. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the most powerful tools that I learned just a few years ago at Townsend Institute that has truly impacted my executive coaching practice and my leadership in the church. And it's, and it's impacted it in a major, major way. 
And I've heard the word empathy described as the cornerstone of effective leadership. And so, Scott, I, I know you have a huge range of experience. And so I want to start off by asking you, how have you personally witnessed the transformative impact of empathy in leadership situations? When I was first in different leadership positions, I thought you had to have all these great ideas and you had to have this drive and then you had to really challenge people. You know, the more you challenge them, the better the team. And so I really thought I was doing a great job and uh, began to realize that there wasn't near the connection. There wasn't that uh, motivation from them because at times it was always push and challenge. And so <clears throat> as I realized that, and then um, my counseling practice, seeing just the power of as you connect deeply with where they're at and just follow those feelings, it creates a real relationship and one that is they want to follow you uh, it's highly motivating it actually increases their performance and so that's where i've been able just to see in the different leaders that i work with how that allows not just the motivation but then as i attune it allows me to um to go a little bit underneath what's what's driving certain things and as we kind of spend time there it adjusts things in ways that if i just stay on the surface it just won't have the impact so those are some of the things that i've experienced of um why it is so powerful very powerful so you really first learned this in the counseling room but then you <laughs> realized that it 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 didn't have to stay there, that it was really in any room that you may find yourself in, right? Yes, absolutely. So um, in your experience, what does it mean for a leader to truly understand, truly connect with their team members on an empathetic level? In other words, what is empathy? <laughs> um <clears throat> Mine my kind of a, approach um, blends a couple different elements. And so it is more than just attuning so the person feels understood, as powerful as that is. Mm -hmm. I'm attuning to truly understand where they're at, but I'm also attuning to some of those areas in who they are that <clears throat> haven't got developed as much, which is where some of the performance problems come from. Like say someone that isn't assertive and so their sales are down or their team just is kind of out of control, not as organized. And we often would focus on, um, leaders would then focus on, well, this is why assertiveness is good and these are the steps but they're missing abilities and so as brilliant as those things are 
there don't have the capacity to do that. And so I then begin to see, oh, there's such a strong emphasis that either maybe they want everyone to like them and they are always helpful and they don't want to disagree. And so they don't have that um, sense of I can be different or the boundaries and the separation. Or they may be missing the piece of um, if I mess up or be a mistake, then then there's really not too much good left in me. And so they don't want to be assertive, say, in strategy because I don't want to mess up. I, I've got to be completely okay and, uh, and know for sure this will work. And so <clears throat> what I have found is I can give them all these great ideas, but as I attune and we begin to um, explore these other areas and I'm able to create different experiences that that replace some of the ones they had that made it hard to not be liked or hard to fail, mm -hmm. that one, it feels terrific for them because those have been areas that has just caused a lot of anxiousness in that, but then it leads over into uh, their performance begins to really be significant. So tuning for me goes beyond just that we understand it also is what is missing that through experiences that I can help um, build that back into them. Okay. That, that sounds really good and important stuff. And uh, I mentioned the word attunement just briefly. Mm -hmm. We, you mentioned it as well. Is that um, sort of the same thing as empathy? Yes. The reason I like attunement is often with empathy, there's this thing of, well, how does that make you feel? I will never, yeah. ever say that. Uh, <clears throat> what attunement does is it connects to the feeling so that it resonates and it just allows that feeling to continue to get stronger and the person talk about it. So that's why as I um, work with someone and they share something. My, my thing is not to ask question, but to say, well, that seems to be pretty sad for you. And it's, it, it feels more real and it's easier to just keep that conversation. And they say, well, yeah, it's, it's, it is really sad. And there's parts of it that, well, I don't kind of like, I don't like some of that, um, what's going on. So I'm sad. And so I might say, and you're frustrated too, that things aren't different along the lines that you want. And, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you know, it, that is really up. So it just flows. And eventually those feelings will flow to some of the areas that will be most important. So attunement isn't asking a question on how does it make you feel. It isn't asking an exploratory question. Like, okay, so with your family, um, you know, tell me more about it is uh, as I listen, what is the feeling? And it's just me connecting to the feeling and, and saying what it seems like. That's kind of exciting for you, what you just accomplished. So mm -hmm. that would be a lot of, uh, that would be the big difference 
then a lot of people that teach empathy and that they don't teach that piece along those lines. So if I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hearing you say that you're tuning in to the emotion that you see and you're sort of just kind of naming it. Yes. And that, and that, uh, you know, usually will make that person deepen even mm-hmm. the, uh, and tell you more basically without you having to ask them to tell you more. Yes. And the briefer, the better. So, uh, hmm. when I have just two or three words, I try never to go over two sentences because see, then I interrupt the emotion. If I ask yeah. a question, it sends them to their head and we interrupt. Well, okay. How, what am I, th- what's that like? The other one, it just keeps them flowing, keeps them in the flow. So get, Give me some, uh, give me some neuroscience behind that. Why, why would it send them to their head? Let's talk about that just a minute. Because, um, you're asking them a question and now they've got to come up with an answer. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as opposed to they're expressing a feeling and I say, well, oh, that's pretty exciting. They just, they continue with that feeling. Yeah. The question will will in, interrupt along those lines. The latest research is is rather fascinating. Um, Alan Shore has been leading some of this research, and as we attune, um, our right brains are connecting with each other, and mirror neurons is. I catch what you're saying, but I also can catch the feeling. He's taking this one step deeper because now they have the technology to put two people on MRIs and see what that's like going back and forth. They call it hyperscanning. And what he um, what he has discovered is that. <clears throat> The right brain is where some of those deeper feelings that we're not completely aware of, and, and so it would be in the unconscious, but it's feelings. It's not like um, these hidden secrets and all that. It's just different feelings. And as you and I are talking, we're sinking this way, but there's a part of in our right brains, it is sinking, and you're able to feel my connection and understanding and that creates the safety and the safer that we allow a person to be as a leader or as a spouse or a friend then it allows them to share more vulnerable things which is where some of those um, challenging things kind of get stored so that's kind of the latest in the neuroscience so there, there has to be a level of trust for this to truly work. In other words, is that what you're saying? Well, well? Y- yes and no. Actually, attunement builds trust faster than anything else. Okay. And so as I, in the first sessions with people, as I, instead of asking all these you know, historical questions, I just start with, uh, and this is with leaders too. So what's important for us to talk about? Um, and as I attune, 
they quickly feel that connection and it makes the trust a lot easier. Um, and my, and, and my clients are, are saying, I, I recognize that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And they, they often, as you attune well, they don't get that anywhere else. So that's what keeps bringing them back. Not necessarily that my problems per se get solved or I get this wonderful advice. Most people don't need advice or a solution. They need an experience. And attunement yeah. is a one of several um, uh, skills that give them that experience that then will actually solve the problem quicker than if we have some kind of a behavioral solution. Well, and not only are you solving the problem, but your that relational connection, as you mentioned, is creating a, a trust between the leader and mm -hmm. whoever the leader is speaking to. And so if if a leader's struggling even with trust on a team, this is this is one of the quickest ways to this is one of the most powerful tools, in fact, let me just say it like that, yep. to gain trust with an individual. Absolutely. Um, when you feel that lack of trust, the attunement, and the other piece that is related to attunement is, is a skill um, some will call containment. And containment is, <clears throat> so <clears throat> in those areas, whether it's teams or at, at times I will go in and, and work with different uh, uh, churches um, or businesses, and so one of the things that I look for are anything that would be negative, either in their life or they may have something negative about the team. And mm -hmm. I attune to that and try to draw that out so that there's this feeling of, oh, he's okay if I get angry. He's okay if I get critical. And so that, that in attunement, builds that trust and safety faster than anything else. Matter of fact, I just got out of a meeting that before trust uh, was kind of low. And one of the cool things that happened this in this last meeting, one of the um, team members actually was able to, to, to say to the president, you know, that's really not the way it is. You're, what you just said about me isn't really true. And mm -hmm. I kind of was, I didn't like that. And the president before would defend and stuff like that. But he said, you know what? I, I like that you said that and you didn't apologize this time. It just sent the trust through the roof for the rest of the team. And so those are the two things I have found to be most powerful in developing trust in the team. That makes sense for sure. Mm -hmm. So empathy involves not just understanding, but also actively sharing and acknowledging a person's emotions. And, you know, that can feel a little bit clinical in nature, uh, yes. possibly. So how can leaders sort of strike a balance between a professional distance with their team and, and then genuine emotional connection and empathy in a, in a leadership role, or, or is that it, it does there need to be a balance? 
so for me, I've always have felt, um, for whatever reason, um, I don't want to come across as this clinical professional, whether it's a leader or a counselor. And so I've, for years, have worked hard how to say things that, that are more real and conversational. And mm -hmm. so, and that's why to be able to just do it in phrases or one or two sentences is, is it creates that. So I think that actually the most profound leaders are those that do have a degree of vulnerability um, and, and they can be okay with someone who's really sad or someone who's really anxious and not try to fix it, realizing to come alongside actually does more in fixing it than anything else. And so, um, and, and when I do that in a natural way of just, you know, that's sad or um, that's exciting and um, it doesn't feel clinical that way. And, and so they begin to see this is a real relationship and then they can internalize this a lot more, the positive things, the way that I relate to them instead of, oh, you're supposed to do that along those lines. Probably one of the best examples is really Jesus and the woman at the well. Didn't know yeah. her at all. And as they spent time together, he ends up at the end being vulnerable with her in a way he hadn't with the, the disciples in sharing that I am the Messiah. He had not even shared that with the disciples. And so Jesus was incredible at the vulnerability that he had with people. Someone that would wipe his, uh, her hair with his, with oil on his feet. Comfortable with that. He's comfortable with foot washing. The level of intimacy that he was comfortable with is why he was such a powerful, attractive leader. So yeah. there was not, there wasn't this hierarchical thing. It was way more mutual. Um, and even with the woman at the well, he purposely went one down and said, can you give me a drink? And she realized that. You are a Jew asking me for a drink. That doesn't happen. You are putting yourself in a dependent position. And um, so there's it's that. interesting because most people would look at that as, as you know, maybe even a one-up. But I, I love your perspective on that. He right. Did, in that culture, he, you're he absolutely right. In that culture, only because of the culture, is that I'm, I'm putting myself in a dependent position in asking something of you that I don't have. So as leaders, as you do that, there's something about that, that it, it really is a profound effect on those that you lead. Being That's mutual and every once in a while being one down. Hmm. So in a, in a leadership role, with being an empathetic leader, 
you're you're going to be equipped to obviously resolve conflicts. You mentioned that uh, briefly, but I want to kind of draw that out. How can empathetic communication contribute to resolving conflict conflict in a in a more healthy and more complete way to sort of bridge, you know, put some glue in the team. So it, it allows us to go to a deeper level. Um, uh, I've mm-hmm. just recently um, been working with a pretty intense conflict. And so at one point I thought we would be able to resolve it at this other level. But as I kept attuning, I was able to see these other pieces that just were not obvious. And those were the sticking points that um, it allowed me to know these are the areas that we've got to talk about in a very candid way instead of kind of a negotiation um, along those lines. So it allows me to get to the issue. Your your attunement drew out the really the the core of the pain yes. points. In other words, yeah. yep, yeah. And when you get to the bottom of it, then it's not surface level negotiation, as you mentioned. It's it's more it's it's truly a resolution of the conflict. If you can truly get if you can get to the bottom of it, that's good. And often, yeah, it's like, man, I was in the wrong area. Now I know the right area. So it really helps focus. Um, yeah. And you're, and at. you're sort of, you're putting your, I mean, you're a smart guy, but you're putting your thoughts of the situation on the sidelines and just using the skill of empathy and attunement to draw that out, draw it out of the individual and not, mm-hmm. and not come in with preconceived ideas in a sense. So it's a, it's amazing um, the profound discoveries that different people come up with that I couldn't have put it together. Um, and, and so so we do provide direction in areas that we attune or some of the things that we want to facilitate. But allowing that room for them to express feelings or, or how it fits for them, it's just amazing on some of the things that, um, uh, that will come out that I would have missed completely. Hmm. That were essential. That's interesting. Yeah. So drawing that into, let's say, times of crisis, or times of change, or, or a time like COVID with crisis and change, uh, is it sort of just this on the, along the same lines as as conflict resolution? You're you're getting into the to the real issues that may be occluding change or or a person working through the crisis. Would you say is that kind of on the same lines? It it again allow it creates a safety so that the person can tell me really what's going on, as yeah. opposed to, especially um, when there are personality, I mean, there's some personalities, they're gonna just be up front with you and they can be pretty aggressive and upset and you have to worry about them. But a lot of personalities, 
They don't like conflict. They're kind of fearful of authority, so they're, they're not going to kind of tell you what's going on. And so attunement allows them to, to, to share that so I, so I really know where they are at in that conflict or in that crisis. And just by them feeling understood, there is, again, a di- what they call what uh, in the counseling arena, dyadic affect regulation. <clears throat> the best way to decrease relationship, um, and to decrease emotion, is through a relationship. Often there's like, well, do relaxation techniques, do meditation. Or, see, it's all individual, and that can help, but it, it won't help near as much as I can hold certain feelings, they're not alone. That will decrease the affect um, more than anything. If, if you actually um, watch the movie Inside Out, there's a scene where Bing Bong, one of the characters, loses all the, his stuff. This tractor kind of pushes it over the side. And so there is joy and sadness. And joy is, well, we just have to think positive. And so she's trying to make him laugh and don't think about this. And he is just, you know, this is all my stuff. And um, what's this really mean with me and uh, the little girl that um, he was connected with? And so sadness, who's very comfortable with negative feelings, just attunes. He says, boy, you really are missing some of that time with um, with." The, the little girl and says, yeah, you know, we did this. And, and that really reminds you. And Joy is like going nuts. She's, Bing Bong is getting worse. She's starting to cry more, you know. But, but she attunes one more time. And then all of a sudden Bing Bong says, yep, okay, I'm ready to go. And so it, it drained, relationship is like, a, it, it just puts a, a PVC pipe. It drains the emotion. And then we're okay. That is the most powerful way of emotion kind of um, decreasing. Uh, That's what Job experienced. The the three guys were great when they were silent because Job could see they get me. This is really bad. When they open their mouth and give them advice, it messes things up. So just the tuning um, allows them to feel not alone. The emotions run their course. And it is the fastest way to decrease the affect. Yeah. Just draws down that stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. that negative emotion. Right. Of uncertainty or, or whatever may be, what, whatever may be there. Yes. In that crisis. Yep. And, and so is it sort of the similar, uh, a similar dynamic, even with just routine day-to-day decision-making problem solving, you know, does it is it sort of the uh, a similar thing? Is that is that something good that we want to practice? You know, on a routine well, basis it, as well. It it is, but mostly are are probably at this point thinking this is this is way too soft. This doesn't accomplish <laughs> anything. Yes, you got problems to solve. You got decisions to make. Uh, what is this touchy feely kind of stuff? Uh, well, you ought to look up Simon Sinek, probably one of the best 
um, leadership trainers. And his big thing is these sharpest leaders are the ones that are attuned the most. Yeah. So, um, so yes, it needs to be there just on a day-to-day thing. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't make decisions. It allows us to know all that's involved so we can make decisions. Mm-hmm. And we get mm-hmm. to it sooner, whereas if we don't know that stuff's there, we make a decision, and then all of a sudden we find out these things, and you, you have all this time wasted. Even though the leaders now are listening saying, this is going to take way too long. Um, well, it will take a little bit longer, but you are bypassing a ton of stuff that happens the other way that just gets bogged down. It's in this yeah. company that I work with. Um, <clears throat> they would get bogged down in so many things because the leader wasn't attuning and this is the way it is or get defensive. And I mean, I just had a ton of stuff that, you know, kept coming um, my way. And when that shifted, then it, it was a loss, less static to deal with. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, it, well, it, it's, it, for it, me, it, it'll just become natural um, for leaders to do that. And in the, in the moment, yes, it may take a little bit more time, but over, over the long run, you're getting to the bottom of the, you get to the bottom of whatever the issue is and mm-hmm. you're actually making, you're actually saving yourself headache and heartache and time in the, in the long run. And they feel much more engaged because um, yes. Marcus Buckingham and some of his books on uh, go put your strengths to work fabulous book about 80% of the workforce do not feel engaged with work. And mm-hmm. that's a huge motivation problem. Attunement yeah. is a wonderful way that they're going to feel way, way more engaged. That's good. So Scott, you've, you've sold me on this attunement and empathy <laughs> Uh, I want this in my leadership life. Is this something if I, even if I'm not naturally empathetic or compassionate, is this something Mm -hmm. that can be taught and developed or is this just an inherent trait that you either have it or you don't? (laughs) Well, if you study scripture and pray about it for a year, you might get it. So it's, um, (laughs) no, it's actually, I've, I've, I've taught it to hundreds of, of people and yeah, it just it just takes um you taught it to me by the way (laughs) well i was going to say you you've learned it well and the the way i actually learned it um my one supervisor um taught it to me um but it's like i could not get this so i actually i would practice on the tv I'd, I'd be watching a show and they'd say something. I'd say, okay, what would be an attuning statement? And so I kept hmm. practicing that way and then um, in the different sessions. And so that's really the main way is you kind of, it's clunky in the beginning and eventually you get really good at just knowing the feeling, saying it, and then off you go. So, 
So in one sense, it is leadership made simple. Um, yeah. That all I do is just um, just listen for the feeling. I, actually, most of the content I, I just let kind of fly by me, and then um, the emotion jumps out. Now, now, really, Scott, is it really that easy? Just just listen to the just listen to no, the emotion. You, no, it it takes a while because we're so used to content and fixing. <laughs> So yeah. everyone wants to, and, and even though I might know, that's the big thing. I might know kind of what would help. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to create an experience and pull it from them. That's the most powerful way. I mean, I can say the other thing, I'll feel good about it, but it won't stick. Um, yeah. So, well, would you be, uh, would you be up to, I may regret asking you this, but would you be up to doing a little role play here? Oh and, yeah, absolutely. Just, just demonstrating what this attunement looks like. Mm-hmm. Just start off with wherever you want and we'll just see what goes. Okay. Well, um, so during my book launch a, a couple of weeks ago, that was a uh, an exciting time. I was I was really excited about it. Yet, as an introvert and as somebody who doesn't like to be outward, I was having to be a lot more outward than I than I like. And I found myself I I actually hit uh, at for just a short period of time. I hit the number one uh, mm-hmm. number one bestseller in one of the categories in Amazon. That was exciting. And and so I sent an email to my email list celebrating because they play a huge part, played a Mm -hmm. huge part in helping me do that. In fact, I couldn't have done it without them. And and it was but yet when I when I when I hit the send button. Like this, this flood of guilt came over me. Why should Mm -hmm. I be promoting myself is what it what it what it felt like. Uh, so instead of celebrating at that moment, I kind of felt a little bit of guilt. Which would make kind of sense that it almost probably felt like, oh, I'm prideful or bragging. And that would be very different for you. Yeah, it, it you know, I, in the church world, as a pastor, I come from a place where you don't promote yourself, you right. know, you mm-hmm. take the, you take the low road. And so, yes, it felt, it did feel really prideful to me. Yet I, I, I really wanted to celebrate with the people yeah. that helped me do that. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a cool part of you that, um, wanting to share and to acknowledge their part in it, but also, it's a real good thing for you. And that is very different that people that, you you know, people be okay with that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely very different. It, uh, I, I was struggling to celebrate in that moment. Just the, mm-hmm. it was, it was, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, um, because I wanted to, I was excited. I wanted to like, you know, run around the house three times, but, but instead I was, I was 
struggling with a with that you know wanting to sort of reduce myself in that moment because mm-hmm. i would imagine there's a lot of those strong past experiences that say you got to be humble you can't do that there's something not so good about that and so that's hard it's hard when that's there and yet you have this other piece that's real exciting yeah so let's uh let's pause right there and uh would you mind just maybe talking through a little bit of what you heard me say and um and then your responses why you responded the way you did so as i'm listening in the beginning um i'm trying to kind of capture what that feeling is um and so in the beginning uh, um i knew there was kind of the ex- um some of that excitement but i couldn't figure it out completely so that's why um in the beginning there was just just some general like statement and so then you went off on that a little bit that gave gave me a little bit more to go on um and so uh and we end up with that part of there's that piece that wants to be exciting but you know i I felt guilty about that now i begin to think about where that what's that dynamic along those lines and want to kind of listen to allow that so my responses would be heightening your excitement and yet attuning to but it sure does feel prideful so i i then introduced that piece um and and then to see what you do would do with it and so it then allowed you to talk more about yeah there is that prideful thing that feels like a bad thing and so mm-hmm. we it didn't doesn't really even even as we will continue doesn't have to necessarily go any place uh, it, it, it yeah. just is so my question is what was that like for you well, again, I, I think, you, you know, we, we could have kept going there, obviously, and really, really narrowed it down to even more. Um, and because that's really a legitimate, <laughs> oh, a yeah. legitimate uh, oh, I could feel issue that. with me. Um, and, but in that moment, even, even though we did not go fur- further with that, it felt good just to voice it, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And then, and then you tuning in to the emotion that you're hearing, the guilt, the pride, mm-hmm. the, you know, just, just kind of nudging me there sort of just gave me permission to tell you more, to go a little bit deeper and, you know, in, in a, in a private setting where we didn't have a, uh, quite a few people watching, <laughs> you know, 
it would have been a lot more comfortable to even go even much, much deeper to try to get to the root of the, Mm -hmm. of, of that issue. But, and I know you, you would have kept following that and, and, uh, to see where we're, where that would take us. So I imagine there might've been a surprising part that Mm -hmm. I, you could feel from me of how cool it was that you were excited and you wanted to share that with them as opposed to maybe me maybe being cautious with that or yeah maybe that is prideful so was that kind of a surprise it uh it was for you to to you know jump on the fact that it's a it's an exciting time that that it Mm -hmm. it i don't i can't say it surprised me but i can say that that it was good to hear yes it was a relationally Mm -hmm. uh fulfilling thing to hear that from you, especially as a person that, that I highly respect. And so that's where attunement often, just as I pick up the excitement and that in and of itself is a wonderful, valid thing. And I, and I go that with that. Mm-hmm. And yet there's part of that that feels kind of bad. It is kind of nice that, oh, I'm not being cautioned, I'm not, you know, um, <clears throat> well, yeah, that's probably a good thing to kind of tone that down, but I'm actually connecting with this part in you that probably has always got pushed down. And it's yeah. kind of nice that it can come out, and even though it feels uncomfortable and it, you know, it may feel that way, that, gee, he seems to be, excited that I'm excited and, and wish I would do more of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And really it is, this is a wonderful time to do that, to, um, to be excited and to keep creating the energy and uh, promoting yourself. Good. Good for you. Well, thank you for that. I I greatly appreciate it. So as we kind of move to a a close to the conversation, I'm going to, we'll end with a question, but before our, before the last question, I'll, I'll ask you this, what trends do you sort of see in the future for C in the realm of empathetic leadership? How can, how can leaders continue to harness that power of empathy to navigate, you know, a a leadership landscape that is always changing. Um, If leaders would put themselves in a place where they have a few safe friends or even a group um, that they are part of. And if it's safe friends in a group, they will experience how powerful it is to be attuned to and understand. And that will probably more than anything else fuel them wanting to provide that for whomever they're in relationship with. 
So often we don't have time for those close relationships because we're so busy leading and all that. Um, or it's just too vulnerable. But I have just seen over and over with those leaders that that's kind of a little bit difficult when they experience that. It fuels that more than anything else I could say will fuel that was how I want to provide that. And that, that I think if they put themselves in safe relationships, take a few vulnerable steps, see how good that feels that someone isn't going to give them advice, just come alongside. That's the convincing thing that I've seen. That's, that's so good. And, and what I'm hearing when, when I hear you say that is, is, is that a leader's not going to give from an empty tank. They've got to, they've got to figure out a way to have people around them, relational, Mm -hmm. uh, opportunities to be fueled in order to, to be able to give to the people around them. Yeah, that's very good. And and really Christ modeled that, um, the last supper Mm -hmm. overwhelmed with anxiety. He could have, Hey guys, excuse me. I'm going to go spend time with the father get things straightened out. He did not. He said, I need you guys. And then he did one thing even more. Actually, two things. He needed Peter, James, and John even closer. So can you guys get closer, be more vulnerable? And then they blew it. He went back with the same need twice. I mean, you talk about vulnerability that, hey, guys, really, I need you to be with me in this. Yeah. And so he really models that we, and, and then the whole ministry was always around. There's a group around him, and then there's a, a, a bigger group that <clears throat> we, that's the, that's the only way. And the reason for that is we, to get filled up, to have the strength to go out in some really tough situations. So, yeah. Very good. Very good. So I always end each of my podcasts with this one question. And I ask the, the, uh, interviewee, what's one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self? So Scott, what's one thing you wish you could tell your younger self? Um, I wish I would have taken risks in finding safe relationships in growing up because it was very lonely and I had to deal with all this stuff myself. And I do that now and it's wonderful. Well, I, I would echo that and agree wholeheartedly. My, my life is a, is a different life post Townsend and mm-hmm. my life team. It's a, it's a tremendous thing to uh, have a group of people that, that support you and love you and provide Mm -hmm. those relational components that are, that are needed in a person's life. So, well, Scott, this has been a extremely helpful conversation and I I thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to have you on. I want you to say a word about Macon Institute in case some of my listeners may be coaches or counselors Mm -hmm. or whatnot. Uh, say a word about that and then and then tell us how we can connect with you some in some way in the future. Um, we really, um, my brothers and I, 
um, got together to do this to really help other people either grow or help them grow other people. And so what we found is we um, have groups where they can be in a group in this experience of safety in the process group, which helps them grow in some of those deeper parts inside their personality. And so there's that opportunity. There's uh, we do some workshops, those coaches that need kind of like, Hey, I need some supervision or counselors. uh, We'll do that. And we also have uh, a course I put together that allows them to um, the latest in neuroscience on how transformation really happens, which mm-hmm. I'd say about 80% of what's out there, just they miss it. And so we have a course that helps them do a deep dive and learn that. And you're in a process group as you do that. So you're experiencing that also. So those are the main things um, that, uh, we do we have a um, kind of a, a what we call a neuro change community where you can kind of connect with other people and we're always kind of uh, throwing out different ideas. So Macon Institute, M-A-K-I-N Institute.com, and that'll take you right to the website or Scott, S-C-O-T-T at Macon Institute. Email me directly and um, any questions or things that, that you need. Um, Awesome. You have access to me that way. Well, I I will put those links in the show notes for Mm -hmm. people. And uh, I I personally benefit tremendously from Macon Institute. I'm a part of their community and um, it's been a tremendous resource. I love getting the the emails from Scott. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. always uh, a deep dive into something that is pretty (laughs) interesting in in neuroscience or, or Mm -hmm. something related. So thank you. Thank you for all you do, Scott, with all of that. It's, it's a great benefit. Well, you're welcome. It's been fun. It's been fun to keep connecting with you that way too. So. Absolutely. So this concludes our show today. And if you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to audio podcast or on YouTube. And also, it would just make my day if you would take a minute to rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. My name is Ryan Franklin. Thank you so much for joining us on the Christian Leader Made Simple podcast.